It was on a cool autumn day that I drove from interview to interview, trying to find work. The whole week had been filled with filling out and submitting job resumes. I had just relocated to a new area, trying to start a new life for myself. I was determined, though, determined to get a job and strike out on my own. I moved away from toxic relationships and fake friends so that I could do something positive with my life. Maybe go back to college and learn a new field. Unfortunately, it turned out to be a tough day of job hunting. Reaching the end of my list of places to apply and interview at, I was starting to get discouraged. Last stop, a caretaker position at an old family residence in the rural part of town. A sort of manor sitting on several acres of old orchard. The advertisement for the position stated they needed a caretaker for an elderly landowner. It didn't require any experience and that training offered assuming the position was a good fit. All applicants were welcome. I drove my car down the packed gravel road lined with fruit trees. The light filtered through the leaves and branches, speckling the ground with rays of sunshine. The trees had all been planted in rows, with a hypnotizing effect as you drove by. The perfect symmetry of the planting created a beautiful kaleidoscope of nature. Pulling my car into a roundabout at the front of the manor, I marveled at the size of the place. It must have had six, maybe seven bedrooms, if I had to guess, just looking at it from the outside. The maintenance had been lacking, though. The paint was flaking in several places, and the vegetation around the house was out of control. It looked like a house that had once been very loved, but those that loved it slowly left or faded away. I closed my car door and walked the path to the heavy oak front doors. A large iron knocker hung from the door. I lifted the handle and struck it against the metal plate, which made a sound that seemed to echo loudly on the inside of the house. Moments later, I heard footsteps approach the door and they swung open. A middle-aged woman answered. She had long, dark hair and wore a quizzical but polite expression on her face as she greeted me. Hello, can I help you? She asked. I held up a printout of the advertisement that was posted. Yes, ma'am. I'm here about the job that was posted online. Something about a caretaker position? I explained. Her eyes lit up immediately at this. Oh, fantastic. Please come in. We can talk about the position in front room here, she said. She motioned for me to enter the house, which I did without thinking. As a door closed behind me, my better judgment caught up to me. The house was dimly lit and most of the furniture in the house appeared to be covered with long sheets of cloth. A creepy feeling started in. I just walked into a stranger's house by myself. Anything could happen to me. Um, you know, maybe I should go, actually, I stuttered. The lady paused, looked from me to the room, and said, Oh, honey, there's no need to worry here. She flicked on the light switch, which illuminated the room. My name is Callie. My mother owns this house and land. I know it might seem a little eerie in here, but really, the furniture is only covered because it's so rarely used. Speaking of that, she swept over to a pair of armchairs and pulled the cloth cover off of them. A cloud of dust shot into the air as she did so, but she didn't seem to mind. Feeling a little better about the candid tone of the conversation, I moved forward and helped her arrange the two armchairs so we could talk. I sat down on an old, Victorian-style chair, which was cushioned generously, and 
felt more comfortable than I was expecting. The interview went extremely well. Callie seemed so down to earth and understanding. She had been in my shoes once before, young kid, looking to make their own way. She explained how the orchard used to be worked by her own family. However, with her parents aging, they decided to lease the land to other companies. They get a small percentage of the yields of the trees, which basically keeps the manor from being foreclosed on by the bank. There was also quite a bit of history in this place. It was apparently one of the first settlements in the area. Details about the job were straightforward enough. Callie's mother Grace was getting on in years and had had a stroke the year prior. She was nonverbal and needed help with certain tasks around the house. All of this care would be handled by a full-time nurse who would come by during the day to assist with treatment for various ailments her mother suffered from. My duties were strictly around the house, ensuring the immediate landscape area around the house was kept up. Most of the rooms had been closed and didn't need cleaning, but the main walkways and living areas did need daily cleaning. Callie had her own job and family, so she simply couldn't be here as much as she would like to keep her mother and the property in good health. Grace would sleep through the night until the nurse arrived in the morning, but they would prefer the person in this position to live on the property. If any emergency vital monitoring of her mother were to alarm, this person would be woken up and could alert authorities or perform basic trained care. The room was no charge, of course, and if I was woken up to deal with anything around the house, I would be compensated overtime. This really seemed like the perfect opportunity. Not only did I like Callie, but the free room was the icing on the cake. Not having to spend half my paycheck on rent, plus be able to explore these grounds in my off hours sounded like a dream come true. Callie seemed to read the enthusiasm on my face. So, what do you think? She asked with a smile. Because I think you'd be absolutely perfect here. I looked once more at the advertisement, then back at her and smiled. I think I'd love to work here, I said. She was overjoyed to hear me accept the position. We agreed that I would start the following day. I was given a list of items that were to be completed regularly. I took it and eagerly went to my temporary lodging in town to prepare for my move to this new opportunity. The next day I happily turned in the key to the motel and drove my car to the manor. Having only a small bag of clothing to my name, the move from my previous residence wasn't exactly a difficult one. A young lady greeted me at the front door. She explained that she was the nurse and that the homeowners had left instructions about my room in the main entryway. Otherwise, she would be mainly focused on Grace's care and to pay her no mind. I found a handwritten note inside the main doorway. It had a key to the main house door and directions to my room. The space they had laid out for me was gigantic. I'd never been in a room this large, let alone slept in one. The bed was made of solid wood, skillfully carved to look like the bark of a tree. The trimmings were artfully crafted to have the shape of leaves and carried the orchard theme throughout. I set my bag down and began putting my clothes in a nearby dresser. Reaching the bottom of my bag, I found the to-do list I received from Callie. I quickly got started on vacuuming the main pathways of the house cleaning up dishes in the kitchen, all of the routine things one would do to keep up a house. When I was out in the yard mowing the lawn, 
The nurse came outside with an elderly woman in a walker. She helped her carefully down the step into a bench in a small grove by the house. I hadn't met Grace before, and Callie didn't think it was necessary. She had explained that, in addition to the stroke, her mother was in a general mental decline. Something about her seemed odd, though. Because after she sat down, she stared at me. A long, never-blinking stare that didn't stop until the nurse helped her back into the house. Even though it creeped me out, I decided I was making too big a deal out of it. Her mother probably didn't even mean anything by it, and was just enjoying the sunshine. As the clock creeped to 4 p.m., the nurse explained that she would be leaving soon. In the coming days, when I had the yard under control, she would take some time and explain some basic medical care I could give Grace should an emergency arise. In the meantime, I was only to call 911 if there was any sort of issue. She showed me the alarm system built into the house that would alert me of anything on the medical monitoring devices. After that, she packed her things and left me to finish up my day. The yard was a brutal task, but really felt like I had made a significant difference in the overgrowth. As the sun started to go down, I moved back inside and took a shower. Reaching the bedroom, I tried to close the door but found that the door was a bit of a mismatch to the frame. No matter what I tried, I couldn't get the latch to shut. I made a note to mention this to Callie later when I saw her. I got dressed and went downstairs to find food in the kitchen. To my surprise, Callie was there preparing food for me. Hey, I'm sorry I didn't warn you. I'll be here from time to time, of course, but I wanted to see how your first day was, she said. I was caught off guard by her visit, but was perfectly happy to see her. Good, uh, tiring, but good. Happy to have worked on those hedges out front, I said. I know. The whole house looks amazing. I knew you'd fit in here, honey, she said. Have a seat. I already made you a plate. She motioned toward the table where I had failed to notice two place settings already set out. I gratefully sat down and looked over an amazing meatloaf and vegetables. The food was as delicious as it looked. We both ate and discussed our days. At the end, Callie offered me some wine, which I happily accepted. Walking out of the room for a moment, she came back with two wine glasses. As we drank, the exhaustion started to set in. Assuming I was just tired from my first day on the job, I told Callie I needed to head to bed. She smiled and said goodnight. Waves of exhaustion overwhelming me, I hit the bed and fell asleep instantly drifting off into a deep sleep that I hadn't had since I left my hometown. I dreamt, but not how I was expecting I would. I was standing in the corner of my room, looking down at my sleeping self. It took me a moment to get over the disorientation of this sight. I clutched at my chest and body instinctively, as if to confirm I was still whole. Looking down at my sleeping self, I tried to touch my own arm. I passed through as if my current body was made of air. The sound of footsteps came from the hallway outside my door. I stepped back from my body in surprise as the door that couldn't close slowly creeped open. My jaw dropped as I watched Grace step into the room. She didn't seem frail at all, 
not depending on a walker or the aid of her nurse. The truly horrifying thing is that she came in and looked at my unconscious self on the bed, but then she turned and looked right at me standing there. She smiled, a wicked, evil smile, and turned back to my sleeping body. Her mouth started to open, jaw extending far past anything that could be considered natural. It reached down to her chest when it finally stopped. She started making a loud breathing noise, as if the huge opening was pulling in air like a vacuum. My body on the bed started to change. Little red droplets started to appear all over my skin. These droplets started flying off my body and into the gaping hole that had once been Grace's mouth. The sight of this completely turned my stomach. Stop! Stop it! I shouted reflexively. Grace's mouth narrowed, and the stream of red liquid from my body stopped. She closed her mouth and looked at me in response to the shouting. Then she started laughing, shrill and loud, a sharp, penetrating sound that seemed to echo inside of my head. I slammed my hands on my ears, but it didn't do any good. The sound pierced through anyway. I screamed, screamed louder than I ever had in my life. Waking up suddenly, I lurched out of bed. My heart was pounding, and I couldn't catch my breath. What in the heck was that? Never in my life had I experienced a dream like that. I looked at the door, which was still in the position I had originally left it. I stood slowly out of the bed, taking care of my footing and catching my breath slowly. Taking a shower, I couldn't shake the thoughts of the dream, unlike other dreams or nightmares where details faded shortly after waking. This dream persisted, a vivid memory on repeat in my mind's eye. After getting dressed, I peeked down the hallway. No one was there. I apprehensively made my way downstairs to begin my workday outside. Having no appetite for breakfast, I decided to get started with my work first thing. The nurse greeted me on her way in, asking how my first night was. I wasn't sure how to answer this. Oh, um, it was good, I said. What else could I tell her? I wasn't even sure I believed what happened yesterday. Good, she said in reply. Well, have a nice day. And she went off to perform her duties with Grace. I paused. I knew I needed to get started with my day, but something was sincerely wrong and I couldn't shake it. I went into the kitchen and looked around. Kelly had done the dishes from dinner the previous night. The wine bottle sat on the counter by the trash container undoubtedly waiting for me to take it out. I looked at it, unsure of what I was even searching for. The darkened glass sat there benignly, as if wearing its innocence. I had no evidence at all that anything sinister beyond a bad dream had happened, but I couldn't mistake the instinctual feeling that I was in trouble. I went outside to work my day, which consisted of continuing to clean up the garden, pruning the hedges, cleaning up tree litter around the perimeter of the house. Around midday, the nurse brought Grace out for some time in the garden. She sat her down on the bench in the sunlight. Then she came over to speak with me. You've done such a great job out here. I can tell Grace loves it. She's been wanting to come out here every day you've been working it, she explained. I looked over at Grace at the mention of her name. She was staring at me again, except this time, 
The stare was accompanied by a smile. Was I going crazy? This is just a sweet old lady, right? I smiled back, trying to push away the thoughts of the dream from last night. I continued my work outside until the sun started to set. As I was cleaning up the yard tools in the shed, Callie came walking up the main path to the manor. Hi, honey. Dinner was so fun last night, I thought we could do it again. Don't worry about any of the cooking, I'll take care of it. You go get cleaned up. Looks great out here, she said. She swept by me straight into the house. I again fought the temptation to say anything about last night. It was her mother, after all. What would she think of me for having such a dream? I went inside and began to get cleaned up and ready for dinner. Returning to the kitchen, showered and freshly clothed, I found that another plate had already been made and fully set for me. Callie was already getting ready to sit down herself when she noticed I had arrived. Go ahead and get started. I bet you're famished after all that work you did today, she said as she placed a charger under the plate she was setting for herself. I sat down quietly, looking over the food, which again looked very good. A beef stew with lots of vegetables and a dark broth that smelled very welcoming. I ate some of it and immediately felt a warmth rush over me that made me feel calmer. We pressed on with dinner, discussing our days again. Nearing the end, Callie once again offered me some wine. When I agreed, she stood up and left the room. That instinctual side of me wondered now why the wine wasn't on the dining room table. Moving my chair away from the table as quietly as I could, I tried to peek around the corner into the kitchen. I could see the bar counter and the bottle of wine, which had already been opened, two glasses sitting next to it. I couldn't see Callie, though, who wasn't next to the wine bottle. I tried to peek a little more when she came around the corner right up to me. I jumped, startled by her sudden appearance. Whoa, everything okay, honey? She asked, maybe a little startled herself. Yeah, fine, sorry, I said. I need to, um, use the bathroom. Be right back, I replied, thinking quickly for an excuse to be out of my seat. I rushed to the bathroom and stood there for what seemed to be like long enough time to pretend. I flushed the toilet and washed my hands, then returned to my seat. The glass of wine was waiting for me at my seat when I returned. Cheers to day number two. May there be many more, said Callie, and we clinked the glasses together. I put the glass to my lips, but I kept them sealed to the glass, pretending to drink. I set it down again. Very good. Now you're quite the host, Callie, I said, faking a smile. She blushed and gave me a wave as if it was nothing. I am just happy to have someone so reliable here, she said. Oh, that reminds me, I almost forgot. She stood up and went into the kitchen. I took this opportunity to take my wine glass and pour a portion of it into my stew. I stirred with my spoon to hide the wine in the dark broth of the meal. I looked back at the wine glass, which now looked like a few small drinks had been taken from it. Got you something. Thought you could use these with all the work you're doing on the grounds, Allie said as she returned to the dining room. I opened a medium package, which turned out to be some new steel-toed boots. I blushed at the kindness I was being shown. When all day I had done nothing but feel suspicious, a small pang of guilt welled in my stomach. Everything okay? She asked. 
Yeah, everything is great. I love it. Thank you. I've just been feeling a little bit off this morning, that's all. Do you mind if I call it a night? I think I just need to get some sleep, I said. Oh, I had no idea. Yes, yes. Please go ahead and head upstairs. Don't worry about the dishes. I'll take care of it. Have a nice night, she said, and then shooed me out of the dining room with my new boots. I went to my room and quietly swung the door into its closed position. I wasn't sure what to do. I had been treated so well here, but I still could not rid myself of the feelings that something wasn't right about this place. I decided to sleep on it, make a decision in the morning. Say that I heard from family and needed to leave, unfortunately, something like that. I laid in bed and closed my eyes. Sleep slowly crept over me, and I lost consciousness. Sometime later, I was awoken by a scraping, shuffling noise outside in the hallway. All daylight had faded at this point, so I squinted my eyes in the darkness, trying to see around my room. The door remained closed, but I could hear some kind of movement outside. It was getting closer and closer to the door. I laid back down, hung the sheet over myself, eyes glued to the door. When the movement sounded like it was right outside, the door suddenly moved. It opened very slowly, as if the person on the other side was trying to be careful about waking me. What awaited on the other side of the door wasn't a person like I was expecting. My entire body seized when a furry leg appeared at the top of the door frame. Another leg, then another. A segmented furry body came through next. A giant spider. The size of a person was crawling on the ceiling into my room. My mouth gaped in horror, unable to make a sound as I watched the spider position itself right above me. The head seemed to swivel around to face me, and this time I did scream. It was Grace, her head on the body of a massive spider, twisted and distorted into this monster. I leapt out of the bed as the spider detached from the ceiling and tried to land on me. I just barely escaped being completely entrapped by its legs and body. It turned and hissed at me, clicking fangs in my direction. I ran out of the room and pulled the door closed behind me. The spider slammed into it, unable to force it open from that side. I held the door for dear life, not knowing what would happen if I let go. After a minute or two, the attempts to open the door seemed to subside. Footsteps behind me made me turn my head into the hallway. Callie was there, wearing her usual smile. Oh, honey, someone hasn't been taking their medicine, she said, almost sympathetically. Don't worry, I brought some for you. She held a glass of wine in her hand and then started laughing. The same shrill laughter I heard in my dream the first night. It pierced my senses and started echoing in my head. I let go of the door and ran for it, pushing Callie out of the way. Down the stairs and out the front door, the laughing continued to pierce the walls of the manor, even after I rushed into the cool air of the night. I got into my car and backed it out of its parking spot, throwing dirt and gravel into a whirlwind behind me. I slammed the gas pedal and got out of there. I drove until my gas tank was completely empty, unwilling to look back for fear of seeing the spider again. I hitched my way to a nearby town and found a sympathetic family to take me in while I looked for work. I've never been able to come to grips with what I experienced at the manor. 
I never told anyone what I experienced till now. I can only hope that by sharing this, I can shed the nightmares I still have to this day, even if the story is too crazy to believe. I don't know what would have happened if I didn't trust my gut that day. <laughs>